myself again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn You look back and it's all in the past Good evening, it's Monday night and welcome to the new show. It is the Steve and Holly show. Something a bit different for the summer and something which uh, I'm looking forward to and I know Holly is as well. So what's it all about? Well, it's very simple. Um, I'm not just going to be the only person hosting it. Holly's going to be hosting it as well. So uh, for this week, we've picked a few topics of conversation um, which we would like to bring up. And that's how it's going to be. We want you to get involved. We want you to give your uh, points of view on some of the topics that we bring up. And they might not always be Newcastle United related. It could be uh, anything to do with football around the world. Obviously, we've got the Euros ready coming up. Uh, but Holly's already picked a few topics, uh, a conversation which she wants to bring up. Uh, as have I. So we'll kick off with Holly's first topic. Good evening, Holly. Evening, Steve. Looking forward to the show tonight. Um, so, yeah, the first topic, obviously, was the news that broke about the takeover being going on a long time, but we seem to be coming towards the end a little bit now. It was rumoured that Mike Ashley had obviously told Amanda Stavey that things would be ready to go in a month, and there's also been rumours that the arbitration may not kind of be going ahead and it could get settled outside of the court, which would be great news. Um, to be honest, I'm not sure where the stories kind of came from. It doesn't really seem to have much weight in it, in my opinion. And I think the time scaling does seem a bit random. But um, Steve, I know that you've got connections and you know a little bit about the takeover and what's happening. So do you think there's any truth in this? I've got to be honest, when I saw the story break on Friday, the first thing you do is, you know, you have a look at where the stories come from. You look at the journalist and I'd never heard of him. Um, I knew a lot of journalists on the Newcastle beat. Uh, when I saw the name, it was clearly a, a, a new journalist to me. It was in the Sun newspaper. Um, and of course, you know, we can't really take anything that comes out of that paper as gospel, as we all know from history. Um from my perspective, I thought it was a non-starter. Uh, I contacted my contacts and I was told that they knew nothing about it. Um, I then spoke to Keith from NCSL, uh, who obviously has his finger on the pulse, but on the other side of the fence. And he'd heard nothing about it and neither had they. So it's a story which is, in my, it, you know, it's been made up in my, in my mindset. Clearly, this person, as all journalists have, has a source. This source has told him that this is a potential news story and this is what's being said. There's no substance to it whatsoever, Holly. Um, and I'm afraid that we're going to see a lot more of this. I think over the summer, I think we're going to be in a position where we're going to get led up the garden path again. And I advise people not to get carried away with dates, not to get carried away with assumptions, not, get, not to get carried away with any clickbait whatsoever, simply because that's all it is. It's clickbait, Holly. And I mean, I don't know what, you know, you, you aren't connected with anybody on either side of the deal. What did you think? When I first read it, I thought it was just another one of those stories that just kind of come out of thin air and they've got no weight to them, really, because it just seems a bit of a random thing for Mike Ashley to do without actually reaching a conclusion yet to just say he'd be ready to go within a month. Well, he couldn't guarantee that. Nobody could. Um, and I just think that it's just not very realistic. The Premier League has fought so far and unless they knew 100% they were going to lose this case, then I don't think they'd just be willing to give up like that. I do think that they'll fight it as far as they can unless there is definite concrete evidence that would go against them and allow them to win the case, to be honest. But 
like you said, Steve, I think we just need to try and keep it in the back of our minds and like not get too carried away because if this goes on throughout the summer and people are checking stories all the time, I know uh, people's been back playing spotting again. I just think it gets too much, to be honest, and it exhausts people. Oh, God. I, I, it's, it's just going to be a summer of that, unfortunately. And I know we have some dates, you know, in mind for, you know, when this... You know, this this form has to be returned by the Premier League, answers to questions, etc. But in, in my mindset, I just don't really want to go through a full summer of this. I, I really don't. We did it last year and it was bad last year because we were all locked down. It made it, it emphasised it, it, it made it even worse. Um, I just, you know, and I know that we've got a bit more freedom now, but I just genuinely feel that we just can't have another summer of this. And, and we're kind of, because... There's no direction, is there? There's, there's no direction to go in with with regards to signing players. I mean, if 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 we want to sign somebody, Holly, then you've got to say to them, well, you know, this is where we're going. This is what we want to do. This is what we want to achieve. You can't do that when we don't know which you know which owner we're going to have. Because if we've got Mike Ashley, it's going to be a completely different blueprint for season 21-22 than it is if. You know, we have Amanda Stadley and Co in, in place in the in the boardroom. It's going to be completely different, isn't it? Definitely. And we'll be targeting different types of players as well. It'll be completely contrast in kind of the market we're shopping in because at the moment we're going to be in the low market freeze and probably under five million players. Whereas if Amanda Stadley and the PIF and Co come in, then we'll be looking for more maybe a 20 million kind of um budget player. So it is different. And I don't think that a lot of players would want to sign for the club with the uncertainty, and I think that is going to be a big worry. I know a few people feel as though these stories are breaking because it is coming to that transfer window, and it's happened before, whereas he makes stuff up to try and maybe sell tickets or whatever and things get leaked. I'm not sure that's the case. I think it's just trying to keep the story relevant in the media, but do you think that's the case, Steve? Do you think that they're just trying to sell tickets? Yeah, I mean, look, the club, the club. I genuinely do not feel as if the club are misleading anybody on this occasion. I know that certain people do feel like that. That you know, and and in the past, it's been proven that you know the club are you know always looking at that kind of let's keep the let's keep the fans positive. Let's hope that they, they spend money. But we don't even know if we're going to go into a season where there's going to be fifty-two thousand people in the ground. That you know. I, I just find that hard to believe, and 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 there's so little staff at the club, and so little you know, so little being said by Lee Charnley that you just you just wonder whether they genuinely have you know packed up the things from the desk at, at St James's Park and are just literally waiting for this you know all to come to its conclusion, i.e. the club gets taken over and we move on. Um, but like you know, it, it, it's it's just dragging on. The only people that benefit out of this are the media. The fans suffer 100%. The media benefit. And, and that is the, that is a problem for, for me. And I just, getting back to the article you mentioned, I just feel that because it was an unknown journalist, then is there, is there a bigger conspiracy here? Is this, and I've seen a little bit of this accusations levelled on, on, on social media over the weekend, you know, I know Keith, etc., have, have have been to and from with various people. I've again, I've just kept out of it at the weekend. I don't want to get involved in these like you know social media exchanges. I've got other things to be doing. But from my perspective, I look at it and think there is still a political game going on here with this takeover, and there, there are people who are anti-Saudi takeover, not necessarily anti-takeover of Newcastle United. They would love to see Newcastle taken over. But there is certainly an agenda by 
some people in the media, some of these accounts on Twitter. Um, and, you know, are there accounts on both sides? You know, are there pro-Saudi accounts which have been set up? There possibly are. I don't know any. I know that, you know, Kate Stewart's account was often accused of being a bot. You know, it, it isn't a bot account. I know who Kate Stewart is. Um, but there are also people on the other side of the pen, uh, fence where people are going, well, they're obviously getting paid to do this. And, you know, again, there's no proof of that. It's just because these people don't agree with the takeover that they're being accused of being on that side of the fence. So it's it's annoying. It's frustrating. Um, I, you know, I chatted with Nathan, of course, who does like Match Day Live with us uh, during the season. I has done, um, you know, and we're talking about something completely different. He rang us about something completely different. But as always, it always comes down to the takeover and the conversation. Anything new. And he was talking about this article, actually. Um, and I just said, it's you know, it's Groundhog Day. That's where we're at. It's we're going round and round and round in circles, and it's just, it's just frustrating. I, I, my advice, honestly, to anyone is just to not give it a second thought. And as somebody said earlier, wait until it comes on Sky Sports News. The yellow ticket tape that Newcastle's being sold. You know what I mean? I mean, Richard Keys was at it the other week, making some statement on one of his programs, saying that the club, I believe, the Newcastle United takeover will go through uh, in the next two weeks but it won't be the takeover that Newcastle fans are expecting. So again, there's that, you know, we've had the fallout of the, you know, Keith Patterson, Ben Jacobs, you know, clash on, on, on the show a couple of weeks ago. Um, that's still reverberating around the Twitter sphere. Um, none of it's conducive and none, none of it's helpful to, to supporters who want to know what's going on. But I'm afraid we're still in the same boat as we were six months ago. We're still in the same boat as we were 12 months ago. That. Nobody really knows what's going on, Holly, um, other than, you know, the lawyers, etc. So, sorry to say that it's not good news, but at the same time, it's not bad news. But we're no further forward, is my honest opinion. And as I say, just I would just crack on. Enjoy your summer. Get your shorts on. Get your bikini on. You know, whichever sex you are, go and do what you want to do in the summer. Try and spend as much time with your loved ones who you've been separated from for the last 12 months. Try and get your life back in order. And uh, forget about the takeover, and then just you know, hopefully it'll be a nice big surprise before the season before the season comes about. And if it's not, I think w what we've got to remember is hopefully football. You know, fo football will always be there, but hopefully we'll all be going back to football, Holly. Because I know you know you'll be the same as me. You're just looking forward to booking your first, you know, your first ticket away. You know, hopefully one of those friendlies, away friendlies, we'll be able to get to. Definitely, and I know there's a few like that scheduled and that's not too far away from us, so I'm hoping that fans are allowed. That's certainly what I'm waiting for more than the takeover because I'm trying not to think about it much. I'm just waiting for the government to announce that the restrictions are coming off and football fans can get back because I've missed it so much. You know, it's it's been difficult not going to the match because I know some people are saying about that, like I mentioned before, there were it's a ploy to sell tickets and stuff and I said for me it doesn't make a difference because I'll be renewing regardless um I just really want to get back to supporting the lads and going home and away to be honest yeah me too me too well uh that was a good start of a tent plenty of comments coming in uh Chris Hall says I believe it may have happened but it's guesswork surely no quotes no substance the alleged dates have probably led to the journalists putting two and two together and coming up with five good assessment uh Paul Oxley Good evening, he says, Ashley will be in charge and Bruce in the dugout in August. I'll have a bet with anyone now. Paul, I'm not a betting man, uh, but nothing would surprise us. Julie Baker, congratulations. She got through the A42. Uh, she was away. I hope you saw your mention on uh, the three um, 
uh, on the four on the Fab Four, sorry, on Friday. Uh, it's getting hard to, to forget that it's not the three amigos anymore. The Fab Four. Uh, you got a good mention uh, in tweet of the week, I think it was. So uh, double check on that. And Mad Mark says people just putting two and two together. July date set for arbitration. Ashley, Ashley wants a deal done ASAP, therefore hoping the Premier League settle outside of court in the next month. An easy story to write. Yeah, good points. Uh, thanks for all your messages on that. Let's move on to this one. Um, this is one of mine tonight. And uh, John Gibson in the Chronicle, as of course, uh, you know, he, he doesn't shirk away from uh, commenting on this show either. Um, this is just his quote on Shelby. As for Shelby, I'm afraid he's a football dinosaur. Yesterday's man... Shuffles around the pitch rather than sprints. Relies heavily on Hollywood passes, which on the lower of averages often fail to come off. Holly, would you say that's a good assessment of John Joe? Yeah, I would. I do generally always agree with John Gibson. He's one of my favourite journalists. I think he pretty much always gets it spot on. Um, but it is, to be honest, it's just that's the thing that I think Newcastle fans hold on to, the fact that he can pull off these Hollywood passes. You know, that's what we've been seeing ever since he joined the club, really. We just, oh, yeah, but he's he's the best passer of the ball and stuff. And he's starting to lose that a little bit now. And I don't think his passing has been as good. And it's just lazy from um, Shelby, really. He never seems to care. He's always quick to bat off any criticism, though, and kind of have a go. But in my opinion, he needs to just have, like, uh, self-reflection on himself instead of just ignoring the criticism think well hang on people are saying this what can I do to improve the game but he's not willing to he's very much like Steve Bruce in that aspect and maybe that's why they get along so well because they're just very stubborn stick with their ways and they don't like criticism that's my opinion but I think that's a good assessment from Gibbo what did you make of it? Yeah, I've got to agree. Um, I mean, we've talked about John Joe Shelby. You know, we've you know we've been red in the face sometimes on match day lives because he's frustrated us uh, more than he's uh, pleased us really. And, and I think he's got it spot on. Um, the Hollywood balls thing is something which I think we've all mentioned. Um, he's lazy. Um, I, I mean, he was even on a, a live chat, wasn't he, on on the club's official stream? Where I think some fan actually asked him about his uh, commitment and about how you know how quick he is and uh, you know he is lazy he is lazy there's no doubt about it but I mean there's been a there's been a lot of players at Newcastle who've appeared lazy but have been good players I mean I can think of one from my very first season and that's Chris Waddle you know he was one of the laziest players on the pitch but he was a fantastic player you know and and, and he went on to you know to do very well in the game and do very well as a professional footballer away from St James's Park but you know he had a slouch he would you know he would loll up about and he was you know he was criticized for his style but he was a hell of a player John Joe Shelby doesn't do enough for me and you know I have the added bonus of obviously you know working at the club at that time with Rafa and getting to know a little bit more about what was going on with him. And, you know, Rafa clearly didn't rate him, didn't didn't want him at the club. And I just feel that, you know, he wasn't putting his best effort in. I think we've... And people can say, well, isn't that fair enough? But I look at Matt Ritchie and think, well, you know, we've tried to sell Ritchie more than once. But does that affect his performances? He, he always gives 100% for Newcastle. And sometimes he's, he's only coming in with a 7 out of 10 performance. But nine times out of ten, you're getting you're getting you know ten out of ten performances from Richie because he just does what he does what it says on the tin, does what he's supposed to do. So I think it's a culmination of a few things. But I don't think he likes to play with players that are potentially better than him or players who actually get a bit of praise. And I mean, 
I, do you remember like during the season when there was a talk there was talk about um and potentially not getting on with Willock? You know, because you know, he called him a superstar. Now that that came from the mole, I think. But I mean, that would probably back up what I'm saying. Maybe he he gets a little bit he gets a little bit jealous, maybe, of other people's success and and then takes the hoof. Yeah, I do remember that story, and I think it could be quite true. Um, I don't know if it was on your show, but I remember Supermax said that when it was Sean Longstaff and Matty Longstaff that were in the team, he never wanted to kind of pass the ball to them and stuff because he was scared that they were going to outshine him sort of thing. So it seems to be a bit of an ongoing theme. I think there's a few people that said a similar thing about um, Shelby, which it's not really – you don't want someone like that in your squad that's so obsessed with their self-importance sort of thing and they don't want to be shown up. It's meant to be a team sport, you know, it's not about individuals. But the thing that I find most bizarre about Shelby is, is he's publicly said before that he wants to finish his career at Newcastle and he likes to play here. Well, he certainly doesn't act like that on the pitch. So for me, if I was wanting to stay at Newcastle to finish my career off, I'd be trying everything possible to put in 10 out of 10 performances and keep in the side and – be on the fan side as well because he just he looks like someone that wants to leave um for me and I know you mentioned Matt Ritchie who we've tried to sell before and he's always been professional and putting 100% effort but there's also Isaac Hayden who's exactly the same we've tried to move him on before he's want he said he's wanted to leave um but whenever he's being called upon he's always put in that 100% effort so it's just about professionalism really and Shelby hasn't got that who do you think she's best midfield partner then um, I think it is Isaac Hayden, in my opinion. Um, I think as a duo, they're quite good. And I think the midfield's very unstable. I think we've struggled massively in midfield, especially this season, especially since Isaac Hayden did leave that side, because I think he's the one that kind of stabilises it and papers over the crack sort of thing. Um, and Shelby, they're slightly different, but they're, they're really, I think they play well together. Um Obviously, Shelby's got the passes and stuff that he does. And then Isaac Hayden's getting back more. I think it allows Shelby to pay, play it a bit more freely because I think that um, when there's other players in the side, maybe your likes of Joe Willock, I feel like Shelby struggles to kind of get involved in the game more. Whereas with Isaac Hayden, I think he has that chance to play a bit more. Um, but I think it's the more attacking midfield players like Matty Longstaff and Willock that I think he struggles to get along with more. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think Shelby, you know, Shelby's done his best to to make some players look bad, and that that is what you're right. That's what Supermax actually said. I mean, I've done a few talkings with uh, with with Superman over the years, and Shelby's been at the club, and he just feels that sometimes he's he's put a, a put a pass maybe he's ten yards too far in front to make to make somebody look. But I mean, look, it's all about opinions. But Malcolm's played the game. You know, we haven't played the game at Malcolm's level. Malcolm sees things that. You know, we as ordinary supporters wouldn't see, but somebody who's a professional can see what happens. You know, um, lots of lots of comments coming in. Kenny Ranson, uh, good evening, mate. He says Shelby is lazy, tracking back uh, is a hassle to him. He can pick out the killer pass, but that's not good enough. The time they made him captain, he came to life, but nothing again since then. Alan Thompson, uh, he says he's lazy, Steve, even on the golf course. Uh, Tom Dixon says Shelby needs to go. He's getting on now. And uh, Mark says, amazes me what anybody sees in putting Shelby anywhere near the captaincy as well. Mark Henderson says, I'm of the same opinion as Supermac in regards to Shelby. He, for me, has a negative effect with whoever plays with him. He has too much to say for me. Shelby purposely makes fast and hard passes to other players to make them look 
bad. So plenty of that. And Tim Cairns, good evening. He says, evening all. Definite description of Shelby. Also didn't like the bullying bit with Willick. So yeah, lots of lots of people coming in with uh, with, with different opinions. Uh, Stu, apart from seeing Southgate out, I, I did see that, Stu. Well done. He goes, uh, Shelby brings absolutely nothing to the team. How the hell Steve Bruce starts him every game and makes him captain? He must have nude photos of Bruce or something. That is allegedly, of course, and has nothing to do with uh, NUFC. Matters, that is Stu's opinion. Trolls says, our team need to train stamina. They are tired after 60 minutes. I mean, even the local team here uh, in our lower league team have stamina and fitness and Diano says like him or loathe him Shelby is by far the most accomplished player we have in possession of the ball um yeah, I mean, look, lots of lots of various opinions. David Gibson as well. No relation to John, I don't think. But he says, I've watched a few games this season where our players are sprinting past Shelby. Sean Longstaff being one of them. Um, lots of opinions there uh, about Shelby. Um, he's, he's definitely somebody who splits the fans, Holly. Yeah, he is. Um, and those players, I think, are always going to find it difficult to make it in a side because you've got a side that love them and a side that, really don't like him and to be honest I used to be a big Shelby fan I really liked him but I just think especially over the past two seasons he's just not the player that he was and I think his attitude's just getting worse and worse and maybe that is the case what you said Steve is that now we've got players coming into the side that are threatening him and it's making him a bit jealous so now he's just not as good as he had been because he's just got this kind of arrogance problem and you know, but I think he really does need to move on because it actually makes me sad now to just see him in the side and he's getting like so much hate. And there's a lot of fans that liked him like me that don't like him. And I think he could have, if he left a few years ago, he would have left with, you know, some respect and he would have been well remembered by the fans. But now I think it's going to be a little bit bitter if he leaves. So I just hope that it doesn't go on much longer and he goes out the door. But realistically, under Steve Bruce, you can see him staying. But I'd be looking to offload him this summer, would you? Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. That gonna that's gonna take us to our next uh, our next uh, topic, which you wanted to bring up. I've got to laugh at this, mate. Uh, Tom Lynch was struggling with his auto uh, text. Jam Jar Shovel came up instead of John Joe Shelby. Um, I, I was wondering who he was going on about there, but yeah, Jam Joe <laughs> Shovel. But yeah, your your next um, your next topic was this, which was of course you know we're, we're getting into that you know part of this uh, somehow now where transfers and retained lists and stuff like that have become the order of the day, and we know that Andy Carroll um, has gone. But what was what was what was it that you wanted to discuss with regards to this? It was just mainly. The likes of Fernandez and Murphy, who I think most fans would like to keep, whether or not you'd want to keep them. And then also the striker situation, because Carol's off the books now. And I thought Gail had signed a new contract because that story went about, but apparently he hasn't. So if those two are both to go, we are left with Wilson and um, and John, uh, Joe Linton. So then what would you do in that situation? Yeah, I mean, the Andy Carroll thing's definite. He's gone. So we, we know that that's done and dusted. Um, Dwight Gale, yeah, I know that there was talk about giving him a contract, but I, I, give, I gather that's more to, to maybe, you know, ha, at least have you know a chance of making some money off him because there's no doubt that if we sell Dwight Gale, if, if we can get him to sign a contract and we can sell him, um, we're going to get some decent money for him, which I guess might be added to whatever transfer budget we've got. I'm, I'm still not convinced we've only got £12 million, by the way. Um, I, I think anybody who announces what transfer money they've got is is absolutely, you know, you're, you're just stupid. You know, nobody's going to do that. So, I, again, I think that's clickbait. I think that's a story that's been made up by the media. Um the striker situation worried me anyway because Joe Linton's not a striker. 
I think we all know that now. And, um, you know, it, it took the first season to, to realise that. We didn't need a second season, although he has been better in his all-round play. Um, for me, it's still a big worry. Um, we're being linked heavily with Josh King um, because he's a free transfer. Uh, but although free transfers sound really good and attractive, um, the problem that happens with free transfers is that the money is ten, it tends to be in the wage packet. And, you know, we, we look at this and think, well, you know, Josh King is going to be on 70 grand at least uh, plus, you know, for his wage. And I'm sure that's going to price Newcastle out. You would at least imagine if the if the list that we saw published earlier in the season is an accurate uh, description of what people are getting paid anyway, you would think, you know, they're going to, you know, they're going to be they're going to be very cautious about doing that. And Josh King, not sure what his injury record's like, but got to remember as well, he's not exactly prolific. You know, he's 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 not somebody who would, you know, get you 20 goals, I wouldn't have imagined. But I don't know. What's what's your take on it? I mean, I want to make... I'll answer your question and then get your take on it. Fernandez, I would like to keep him. And I think we've both agreed that I think Fernandez needs to be tied down. Um, obviously, Andy Carroll's gone. Atu's gone. Savier, we know, has gone. Cost us an absolute fortune in, 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 in terms of wages. Murphy, I'd like to see Murphy stay. I think Murphy deserves a new deal. I think he was, I think he was just as important in that turnaround in those last 10 games as Richie was. Uh, certainly one of our more attacking and creative players. Um, so I'd like to see him rewarded. Um, Dwight Gale. Clearly not in Steve Bruce's plans, despite him, you know, coming out on record and saying it was his, you know, his dream to, to you know, he always wanted to manage him, etc. And then went on not not to select him and play him on most of the for most of the season, for whatever reason. So with Dwight Gale, look, if the idea is tying him down to sell him on and get some money, then I agree with it. But if not, you know, why bother? But that leaves us gaping holes up front, and we need we need to sort that out quickly. Um, and again, it depends on whether we're shopping at Harrods or whether we're shopping at Poundland. And, and that is the that is the big problem. If we're shopping at Harrods, then there's no issues. If we're shopping at Poundland, we've got huge issues. Because as we saw when Wilson was injured, we're absolutely cream cracked up front. So it's it's a good question, Holly. Um, but yeah, Ty Fernandez down. We're okay for goalkeepers. We're all right in the back four. We're not really going to struggle in midfield either because Hayden will be back. Uh, as well, we've still got both long staffs at the minute. We've got Shelby, uh, you know, if we need him. Um, we've still got Richie. Uh, we've got Murphy. We've got, you know, we've got an abundance of talent in midfield and Elliot Anderson coming through. Um, up front is where we're really struggling and, and you need goals. If you don't have goals, you don't stay up. So what's, what's your take on that? Um, Dwight Gale, I know where you're coming from, saying obviously sign him up on a new deal to make a profit off of him. But I think we had the chance to uh, sell him before to West Brom and we outpriced them. We wanted like 30 million or something. I can't even remember how much we asked, but it was something ridiculous that West Brom obviously couldn't afford. And if that's the case again, and we're just going to ask for silly money, then he won't get sold. It's as simple as that, because it's going to be championship clubs that want him because that's what he is. He's a championship striker. So... For me, to be honest, unless we're going to actually try and sell him for a reasonable price, I'd just let him go because I just don't want to have to keep him here when we can't get rid of him and he's just taking up money and squad space and realistically, he's not going to get any game time and he's so, so poor. Like at that Sheffield United game, the last one game of the season, I think that's the worst game I've ever seen from Dwight Gale. I thought it was horrendous. 
Um, and then Jacob Murphy, I'd definitely be giving him a new contract. I think in the 2021 season, he's probably our most improved player. And that's a rarity because I think Steve Bruce has really brought him on, which you couldn't say about many players. But I think he's really came into his own this season. And he's one of those players that you can tell wants to play for the club. He really stepped up to the mark. You could tell it was his um, boyhood club. He was just giving 100% effort and probably one of the better players at the club right now. So I'd definitely be sorting him out a new deal. Same for Fernandez. I think he's probably the most reliable centre-back. Of course, he got an injury this year. But before that, he literally never missed a game. He was always in the side, always given effort. I think he goes a bit unknown because he's probably just a steady Eddie type of player. But he's definitely worth keeping at the club. And um, obviously the likes of Atsu, Savir and Carroll left, which... I wish them the best apart from Savir because Savir absolutely fleeced the club. So that is just ridiculous and I'm pleased he's gone. But Atsu and Carroll, I hope they do the best. And I know a lot of people give a shout for Andy Carroll to maybe get a coaching role at the club, which I think might be a nice idea. I think you would probably take that if given the opportunity. Would you do that? I've got no objection to Andy Carroll becoming a coach at Newcastle United, but do I think it'll happen under Steve Bruce in the current regime? No. They'll promote from within. Um because the takeover is still active, they won't want to actively chase anybody and get anybody on new contracts. So, hence the reason that Steve Harper has been moved from pillar to post whilst he's been at the club. Um, I think if a takeover happens, would Andy Carroll be on anybody's list to come in as a coach? Um, I'd say no, because there's so many better players ahead of him who have got a bigger connection with the club. Club legends who've gone on to do a lot more in their short space of time. We spoke to one last night. Um, you know, and I know you put a couple of questions in to Nobby Solano. You can find that in your playlist. Um, but Nobby Solano would love a job at Newcastle United. Um, he would love to come back and he's the ideal kind of candidate to get involved, whether it's at the academy level, um, you know, or whatever. But I think there'd be a, I think there'd be a, a line of ex-players clamouring up and I think Andy Carroll wouldn't be at the front of that line. I'm not being disrespectful, Andy, etc. But, you know, I still think he probably wants to play a bit more as well. Uh, I haven't spoken to him. I haven't spoken to him for years. Um, but I do feel that there's probably still, you know, part of him wants to play football. Does he need to play football? Financially, probably not. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, I wish Andy Carroll all the best. I do not, you know, I do not go back on what I said. It was a publicity stunt when he was signed to try and appease fans. And I just, I just didn't understand it. I really didn't. And it's a pity that we'll always remember Andy Carroll for, for, for coming back like he did. Um, you know, and I just wish he'd never left in the first place. He could have really gone on to become a, a Geordie legend um, and going to Liverpool in that deal, which, you know, has given him, given him the lifestyle he's accustomed to and gave Newcastle 35 million or Mike Ashley 35 million. But, you know, it, it would have been an ideal opportunity for, for, for Mike Ashley to get something right, knock the money back and, and have him become the focal point of a team which could have gone on and done something. And Newcastle could have, you know, I'm not on cloud cuckoo land yeah, but with Nolan Barton and Andy Carroll and the team I had then, Enrique, and you look at it and you think, well, could have probably, you know, certainly winning the League Cup with the right kind of draw wouldn't have been out of the question. Do you know what I mean with that team? Because they were, com they were committed. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that, Steve, to be honest, because I was quite young when we got relegated the first time with that side. But I was looking through the squad from that season before and I was thinking, how did that side go down? Because we did have quite a few players on that side that were good and yeah. were probably regarded as some club legends, which it's just madness, really, when you think about it. We had potential to do something and we just didn't act on that. 
Um, but also... Savi, Savi, Savi as well, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I actually, when I saw Savi play, wasn't a bad player. I just don't think any of the managers liked him. Maybe he was awful in training or the people just don't really some people are just unlucky and they just they just don't they just don't figure but when he did play and it was very rarely of course but he looked as if he could have been half a player but we'll never know <laughs> we'll never know but go on holly sorry yeah i was just gonna say i saw um muto getting linked with a move out in newcastle as well this season and i'm hoping that that happens because like muto he's been on loan i think he scored one goal um i just and we paid about like 10 13 million for him didn't we i just i never understood that signing at the time and i still won't but i'd definitely be getting rid of him but honestly i don't know who will be signing though i can't remember the club that he was linked with but considering he scored one goal why would you sign him i'm not sure if it's a rubbish story but i'd definitely be looking to offload him yeah, it's a strange one. It is a strange one. Uh, I've just seen a comment which is coming through. Uh, somebody on some, somebody on YouTube saying, um, it's Darren Cowan, Carol, Carol will end up on Towie, he says. So uh, that's obviously a connection with his wife. Uh, Billy Trainson says, why would Gail sign a contract? Because he'll pocket any fee if he doesn't. Mark Cooper says, I would uh, also have uh, Willems back. Uh, Chrissy reckons that the 12 million transfer budget comes from Mackham's on social media. Tim Cairn uh, says Gale should be part of the King deal. Uh, Mark Henderson says Gale, I think, will be sold to either West Brom or Fulham. I think that's a pretty good shout. Mark Cooper says, I think Bruce will go for Josh King, who's on a free, which is what we've uh, already mentioned. Mark Henderson says, we only have Wilson as a proper centre forward and he has a history of injuries. Up front is a massive worry for me. Chris Hall, uh, promoting Loaded Mag, of course. Um, he says, uh, set it on Loaded Mag without a takeover. I think it's wrong to release Carroll. Assuming Gale goes and Muto goes, we're left with Wilson and Joe Linton. Ferry Fernandez has to say he is a fantastic player. Don't get any arguments from me or Holly on that. And uh, Kenny says, uh, with global warming, I'm guessing in about 50 years, it will be nearly warm enough to sign Mbappé. <laughs> Stu can't believe we've still got Muto, but yes, we have. Uh, well, I think we do. Uh, and Shelby is far better than Richie, who uh, uses their quality better Richie by a mile. Um, yeah, lot, James Dean as well, getting back to the takeover. He says, Steve, it's impossible to forget about the takeover. It rules my life every day. I'm sorry, James. I'm sorry uh, for me. I just try to push it uh, to the back of my mind. And David Gibson agrees with me. He says, uh, Murphy was excellent. So uh, thanks for that. And uh, we should be looking at getting Rondon back, says Tim Cairns. Uh, Mr. Anderson says, Josh King, um, as as no right on performances and injuries to demand seventy five pound uh, seventy five grand a week it's criminal so I was right you know round about that you know round about that figure is what I thought it would be okay time to uh, give the sponsors a shout out big shout out to uh, Spider VPN for all your internet security just Google Spider VPN and uh, their website comes up at the top of the search list they can help uh, prevent your uh, internet. Uh, passwords, etc., have been stolen. Well worth having VPN security on your computer. So Google Spider VPN and those guys can help you. Also, a big shout out to uh, skipsandbins.com. Telephone 0800 25 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website www.skipsandbins.com. Easy contract, free and pay as you go waste collection. And uh, there is Sir Bobby in his NUFC Matters kit. Uh, 
seen the adverts as well on TV. They're quite uh, quite catchy, those. Keep an eye out for them. And uh, big shout out to qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and sticker tables in Walls End, Newcastle, and to Jab Signature. Uh, was supposed to meet John today, but he uh, ended up having to get off to uh, a meeting in another part of the country. So we'll catch up soon, mate. And if you're a first time visitor to the channel, hit the Newcastle Legends logo in the bottom right hand corner. And that's it. You subscribe for free. Uh, at the moment, we're still doing seven shows uh, each week and uh, a good mixture of different panellists, as, as you know. And this is obviously a new show tonight with me and Holly. But uh, as always, Tuesday night will feature me and Liam Kennedy. Uh, six o'clock tomorrow night, we'll be back on on our own. Uh, field your questions towards Liam about the transfers. Uh, retro night is Sheffield Wednesday this week with uh, George Mitchell, Neil Mitchell, Steve Hasty, Stu Penman and Steve Wilkinson joining me to look back on games gone by. And then on Thursday night, it is Supermac and the return of Gibbo. Friday night, we'll see... The Fab Four back and uh, the weekend is yet to be planned. So plenty coming up. And uh, don't forget, please also donate to the NUFC Fans Food Bank. More so than ever during the summer because we don't have the matches to uh, to donate to. Um, you can't put anything in a bucket, but you can put one in a virtual bucket. So visit nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk and donate whatever you want. And uh, then you go into the draw for the watch. Uh, which will uh, the winner will be announced and drawn by Keith Patterson at the NUFC Matters Charity Pool Night at Spot White on the 6th of August at um, uh, 12pm. So uh, more news coming about that. Steve Hasty will probably give us a little bit of a chat about that. And if you want to get on uh, any of the tops, um, I'm sitting with my cult T-shirt on today, uh, but nufcmatters.com. Uh, we've got a range of tops and goodies which you can buy if you want to give us a little bit of support on the show. Then please visit the website and uh, you can buy your T-shirts there. And I keep getting wrong off my publisher for not plugging this, but I always feel a bit awkward doing this. Um, you know, a lot of people think I'm a big-headed, egotistical person. I'm not. and I, I don't like blowing my own trumpet. I've got to be perfectly honest. But... This book was written last year with a, uh, by a guy called Jamie Boyle. And a lot of it, I'd say 80% of that book is about my time as a Newcastle United supporter. Um, and, you know, the, from the fanzine days to the protest days, etc. So that is every boy's dream. You can buy that on Amazon. And uh, if you've already bought it uh, and you haven't left a review, then please do so. Okay, uh, on to the next uh, topic of debate. And uh, I think, Holly, I think it was you, and you, you wanted to discuss um, England, uh, the England team. Yeah, um, just the squad selection for me, I found a little bit bizarre from Gareth Southgate. He obviously picked um, Jordan Henderson, which he did play in the friendly, the last friendly that we played, but he was injured at the time. And I don't know, I wouldn't have picked him for me. Also, the fact that he brought four... Um, right back into the side initially I just thought it was totally bizarre and I just think there's a lot of players in that side he's picked some good talented players don't get me wrong but there's some players that I just think that didn't deserve to be in that team and I think other players um were left out of the squad that did deserve to be in it and also Gareth Southgate I found the friendies that we played a little bit bizarre they certainly didn't fill me with any confidence going into the Euros I thought both games were pretty boring and we didn't play the best at all but um he didn't play like a a full strength kind of side and I know that it'll be to protect the squad from injuries and stuff which makes sense but the last game especially he didn't play Harry Kane at all and for me I would have been giving him at least 45 minutes because the game before we actually start the competition you want to see how we'll actually fare in the competition by playing our strongest players 
we didn't get a fair reflection of how we're going to play based off the team we picked and I just I didn't understand what he was really going for there. Yeah, I mean, it's a strange, strange, strange uh, selection for me. And I, I agree. I think the, the the two friendlies should have been used to, to give those players the opportunity to gel. But instead, he used it, as you say, to, 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 you know, to, to select players, essentially, who probably won't even get a game, um, you would imagine. But I just think the whole thing was bizarre. Um I wasn't impressed at all with Tyrone Mings. Um, I, I worry if, if he's going to be anywhere near that starting eleven. Um, Jordan Henderson and Maguire have been out with long-term injuries and essentially are given the opportunity ahead of people who are fully fit, who have done rather good jobs at their, at their clubs throughout the season. I just genuinely don't see what he's thinking of. I really don't. He is trying, I guess, to appease people. And, and his excuse, Holly, is it's because of the atmosphere. You know, these players, some of these players are good for the good for the morale, I guess, is what he's saying. But surely it should be about, you know, whether they're any good at playing in their positions and, and helping us win a, a tournament. You'd certainly think so. I mean, you want to pick your squad based off who would be the best player and who's going to win us games, not who creates a good atmosphere in the dressing room and stuff. Of course, that helps, but that's really not why you'd pick squad players for me. I, I just, it's not a good enough excuse. And Henderson, he's been out since like February and then he's came back into the side, took that penalty, which I thought was very, very selfish of him. And then he ended up missing it, which you know what I thought to be honest, he deserved to miss it because I just thought it was really, really greedy. He didn't win the penalty and he shouldn't he shouldn't have taken it, in my opinion. But And he wasn't just good enough. And the same with Maguire. And I think there's a lot of younger players that are coming up through the ranks um, that just would have wanted it more and they would have put in a better shift. So I just think Gareth Southgate, I rated him in the World Cup, you know, I think he did really well, but he just seems to have like not really changed anything. He doesn't seem to have moved on with the times. He's sticking with a very similar squad to that 2018 squad, when now it's like three years later, so we need to be changing it up a little bit. But Gareth Southgate just hasn't done that. And Tyrone Mings, I totally agree with you. I thought he was absolutely shocking. Um, but Jack Grealish, obviously he got uh, man of the match and I, I thought that was well-deserved. I thought Jack Grealish was really, really excellent. And, you know, he won us a lot of um, free kicks and he won us the pen. So he played really well. He played a smart game. He is quite a dirty player, though. Yeah, he definitely is. But Grealish has got that Gaza Gaza esque kind of something that could change a game. I do like him. I, I I do like him. You need to find the perfect midfield partner for him. Um, I'm worried a little bit about up front. I've just got this nagging feeling that that Harry Kane is going to get injured. Uh, your hopes are resting on Harry Kane, of course, having a good tournament. Um, you know, and if he doesn't, then England won't England won't progress. Um, that's going to be that's going to be key. And I don't see enough from the other. The other strikers that we have, um, you know, I think it's been a, um, you know, it's been an interesting, interesting set of, you know, fixtures uh, towards the back end of the season for the big clubs, and I think it's taken its toll. And I think the the gap between this and then, the, you know, the, the the tournament, I think it's going to affect us more than it's going to affect others. 
I do as well. I think the striker situation is a bit of a worry because I was saying as well, if Kane gets an injury, we're pretty much screwed. Like the strikers aren't really up to scratch. And of course, we know he brought the four right backs. Obviously, now um, Trent is injured, but then he brought in another midfielder, I believe. And surely you'd want to bring in another striker. Um, for me, it's Gareth Southgate. To be honest, I'm not really. I don't have anyone in mind that I'd particularly bring in. So I'll ask you, if you would add another striker into the squad, who would you uh, bring in? Oh, it's a good question, really. Um, look, there's no doubt Callum Wilson could could have done a job, but he's injured. Um, so he was never, and, and, and we don't get we don't get northeast players, you know, picked at all uh, for for England. Um, and a lot of the best strikers, it has to be said. In the in the Premier League are all foreign are all foreign you know um, look Jamie Vardy there's no doubt for me could do a job but you have to play around Jamie Vardy we'll have to play the same kind of football that that he's used to at, at Leicester and we are struggling like I think we are genuinely I think we're genuinely struggling I I, I think um, you know I just think we we, we struggle Cal. Calvert Lewin is the other one, isn't it? From um, from Everton. Now we had a great start to the season, but he again has has really struggled. Um, there was there's the Everton, uh, not the Everton player, Aston Villa player, Ollie Watkins. Did he? He didn't get selected, did he? So I mean, there's I, I think that's another one. You know whose name you could throw in the mix, but I, we haven't we haven't got an abundance of great strikers in the Premier League who are English. Um, it's because it's because we're full of foreign talent, and you know you you know at Liverpool, you know you've got the likes of Salah, you know Firmino, um, Man City played virtually the entire season without a recognised striker. <laughs> um, I like I mean Bamford with Leeds is a possibility, says Tim Cairns, but we are we are struggling. We haven't got an abundance of talent. Um, I'll turn it around for you. The other the other topic of conversation has been taking the knee. Um, something which uh, won't, uh, you know, w- you know, won't be done, I guess, by um, a lot of teams as we progress in in different leagues throughout the seasons. But at the minute, it's still very prevalent. And England have come out, and Gareth Southgate has come out and said, "You've got to put yourself in the shoes of a young player about to represent his country. We're determined more than ever to take a knee in this tournament." Um, so he's reiterating his sadness that some of the English fans have booed uh, the taking the knee. I did see um, on Twitter some people with their television uh, sitting in front of the TV booing from home. I mean, what good that does, I've got really no idea. But look, for me, it's up to it's up to people whether they do it or not. We've seen we've seen an example of Crystal Palace of uh, Wilfred Zahar now saying it's been done. Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's helping anymore, and I am choosing not to do it. But I just think ultimately you just allow you allow people to do it. Do you want to see the point of booing it? If you know what, 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 what's your view? I think booing it is wrong because I think by booing it, that sends out the wrong message about the supporters. And I, I know at Newcastle there was a bit of booing when we played Sheffield United for that final home game of the season, which I just I thought was disgusting to be honest. Because I think it then it gets talked about on the TV and stuff, and I think it generalizes groups of supporters as you know, not supporting things and think which isn't the case. And I just don't think booing it is the right way to go about it. Oh, losing my headphones. Um, but for me, the thing is with the, the knee is that it's a very 
it seems to be a very political type of thing. That's how people interpret it. And I think people look at the knee and think of George Floyd instantly. But I think there definitely needs to be something done to tackle racism within football because it's a massive problem and it's getting worse, to be honest, which is very sad to say. But I just think the knee isn't the right way now to go about it because I think it's very misinterpreted. I don't think people really understand what it's about. And I think people just see the knee and think of George Floyd, whereas we need something that represents all people of different races and all players of you know different ethnic backgrounds that play for these clubs it needs to be more inclusive because i think a lot of people do just associate the need with like that one person i think we need to come up with something new in my opinion i'm not sure what that is but i just think there needs to be a new idea and i think it's time to move on from the knee now and come up with something new yeah listen i would agree with you i just think unfortunately that people don't want to be the the organization or the group of people who say right let's it stop now we've done that um it's the same with clapping at football grounds um for whatever reason do you know what I mean? For, you know, people clap at football grounds for for certain things, and I just, you know, there's nobody, there's nobody in control of it. Um, listen, I fully agree with the sentiment of taking the knee. Um, I personally feel that it was the the right thing to do by sportsmen and women uh, across the world, but unfortunately, you know, it's now, you know, as as a lot of things do. As Wilfred Zaha says, it, it's he feels it's time to move on. You said the same, and I worry about England now being engulfed in this too much. I think it's now. I think we're now in a position where it's starting to become more important than the football, and that is right because racism is abhorrent. Nobody, nobody agrees with racism. It, it should be stamped out in in life, not just in football. But I think ultimately the taking the knee situation is going to create more problems as time goes on. And it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. It's going to rumble. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens at the start of the new Premier League season. Um, but for now, Gareth Southgate, uh, Gareth Southgate has made his, uh, made his point. Uh, the players will take the knee. That's an end to it. So, uh, yeah, interesting, interesting to hear what other people have said. Uh, always a, a topical uh, one that people like to get involved in. Richard Nealis as well said, Holly, the players could just link arms to show their support. Uh, he says he's not a, um, a not a believer of Nealon. Stu says, most players in the Premier League are black or from overseas. Where is all the oppression and racism? Which is, again, another uh, view. Julie Baker says, uh, multi-pronged approach is needed. Um, and Tom just says, well said, Holly. And uh, Billy says, if taking the knee is political, he says it isn't, then so is having the poppy on shirts over the remembrance period, which again is another controversial issue, which again has been has been dealt with. Mark Cooper says it's over, 40 year, uh, over a year now. Come on, they can do it a different way. And Jeff says, uh, I remember the issue over the MH17 clap seven, on the 17th minute. Yeah, I mean, that, that was the one I was talking about. I think it went on for a couple of years. And, and, and I know... Um, I know the father of one of the guys who who passed away, um, you know, good friend of mine, and um, he was embarrassed. But he, he said, I, "I don't want to tell the fans not to clap anymore." But I feel that it's you know the, the respect's been paid, and we just need we just need to move on, um, you know. So maybe it's, maybe that's what it needs. Maybe it maybe it needs that situation. But um, but yeah, look, it's controversial, and we've all got our own views, and uh, we should all respect each other's views. That's what I would say about that. But, uh, yeah, great stuff. Keith Rolls says, Patrick Bamford, 17 goals in 38 games. Ollie Watkins, 16 goals in 40 games. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, 21 goals in 39 games. Marcus Rashford, 21 goals in 57 games. Harry Kane, 33 goals in 49 games. Thanks for that, Keith. Um, that gives us an idea 
really, doesn't it? Um, of, of maybe who could have gone. I was right with Ollie Watkins and 16 goals, although not a great strike rate. It's still somebody who potentially we could have taken. Um, Bamford's strike rate is really good, although there was a, a hat-trick in there as well. There'll be hat-tricks in there with most of them. Calvert-Lewin got off to a great start, but but faded and uh, still seems to be suffering some kind of hangover. Not a huge fan of Rashford. I do feel Rashford's more embroiled in off-the-pitch mat- off matters than he is with, with other things, which I don't... Con- <laughs> again, I'm not condemning him for doing that, but I just think... You know, uh, again, maybe you know, there's not as much dedication to the game as these days. And Harry Kane is 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 at the moment our best our best hope of of scoring goals. Okay, last one tonight. Um, going to finish up with this. Rafa Benitez. Um, just a nice tweet, really. Here at home in Liverpool, enjoying the good weather in England for as long as it lasts. Hopefully, we have a lovely summer. Holly, why is Rafa Benitez, in your mind, not taking any jobs at the moment? Um, I believe that it's because he's waiting out for the Newcastle job and that's certainly what I'd like to think as well. Um, he'd be my first choice definitely as manager for takeovers to happen. You'd imagine that Amanda Staveley had had talks with Rafa Benitez about stepping into the job once the sale had gone through and maybe discussing, you know, agreements, um, what type of contract he'd be getting and things like that and just sorting stuff out. You'd like to think that those conversations have already started to take place. And I think Newcastle is Rafa's probably dream job at the moment. I think that's what he'd want. And I think it'd be a great project for him because we all know Rafa Benitez loves a project. The only thing is that worries me now is I believe that the takeover will go into the new season slightly. I think maybe the first months of the season it might roll into that. You want to hope that it doesn't, but there is a possibility there. And then I think Rafa Benitez is going to struggle to hold on because if there's still not any type of agreement made by then, we all know Rafa doesn't want to retire. And the longer he's out of a job, the more and more irrelevant, so to speak, he comes. And I think he'll be looking for another job, you know, unless this Newcastle thing happens pretty quickly. I can't see him holding on forever. And you couldn't blame him for that. But you'd love to think it was for Newcastle. And I know you've obviously had connections with Rafa in the past, so I don't know what you know or if you can say anything. But do you think Rafa's holding on for that job? Do you know if he is? 100% I, I believe he is. Um, I've not spoken to Rafa um, at all, but uh, obviously I know uh, he's advisor. And, um, you know, there hasn't been any communication with me with, with regards to that. I don't want to get involved in, you know, you know, betraying confidences or getting a bit of information from somebody and then suddenly it gets out. I've been like that with a takeover, to be perfectly honest. I've asked questions when I've needed to, but ultimately the last thing you want is a piece of knowledge which suddenly then becomes public knowledge and you're one of a couple of people who might know the situation. So I've got to be perfectly honest. I don't want to do that. I don't want to. I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to end up in that position. Um, I'll give him a good instinct, and that is that Rafa Benitez is waiting for Newcastle's takeover to either go through or collapse. And I believe that if Rafa, um, if the takeover goes through with PIF and Amanda, I do believe that Rafa Benitez will be the Newcastle United manager. I think if it collapses, we will see Rafa Benitez take a job elsewhere. And uh, it's as simple as that. I think um, from my perspective, I want to see Rafa back. And I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. I know that nobody, you know, you know, not everybody is a Rafa fan. But why not? Why not have him come back and, and you know, be given the opportunity to go and spend some some money um, and try and build, as, as, you know, as I've mentioned many times on the show before, Bill Shankly used to say, build a bastion of invincibility at St. James's Park, because that's what ultimately we all want. 
And it might not be the best football, as in defensive or whatever, but, you know, a lot of people see he plays defensive football. Well, yeah, he does, and it's proven. But if that defensive football wins Newcastle, your first trophy in, you know, so many years, then, God, I'd, I'd, I'd sit and watch a little bit of a little bit of defensive football just to see Newcastle doing that. So, look, from my perspective, I, I want to see it happen and I do believe it will happen. Um, but we've got to get the takeover through first, you know. Are you are you pro Rafa? Would you like to see Rafa back? What what did you think of his, you know, what did you think of the football under Rafa? Did you, did you think it was boring and defensive or did you think, well, actually, he didn't have a budget to spend. He did the best he could with what he was given. You know, so the whole time I've been supporting Newcastle has been under that Mike Ashley era. And personally, for me, the Rafa Benitez era was my absolute favourite of all my years as a Newcastle supporter. I really enjoyed that time because I think not just the football that he played, but outside of that, I think he brought a unity to the team when we needed it. And I think he, he gave fans a bit of hope and he really made us believe that we could do something and we could go places where... Is before we'd been kind of belittled and put down and kind of told to lower our expectations. And Steve Bruce, he's done the same. You know, he's like, oh, we're only Newcastle United. Whereas I feel like Rafa Benitez shared the mindset of the fans that he was like, no, we're not only Newcastle United. We are Newcastle United. We're one of the biggest clubs in the England and we can do whatever we want. We can win games. We can challenge. But unfortunately, he didn't get that financial backing. And I think he could have done so, so much better. Once he finished 10th in the Premier League the, in the first season back, I think he should have been given substantial financial backing because then we really had a chance to go places and he wasn't given that. And I never, ever criticised him for leaving either. A lot of people said that it was greedy. I don't believe it was. Um, I, I think most managers would have done the same. And Rafa Benitez won't want to damage his kind of moral sort of thing because he, he doesn't want to steer the club that he knows is fighting for 17th place. That's not what Rafa Benitez is about as a manager. But I don't think there was a problem with the football. And I'm the same as you, Steve. Like, yes, you all want to see Keegan-type football entertainers scoring goals. But if um, Rafa Benita's style of play ends up winning us a trophy, I'm not going to sit and complain about it. And slightly going off onto the Keegan thing, I think that's in the end what actually ended up costing us, you know, losing the league and stuff because we never had any discipline really to that side. It was all kind of do what you want and the attacking players took the lead, but Rafa Benitez is more disciplined and I feel like he, hence why he's got a good trophy record. But, so I'm going off on a bit of a tangent. No, 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 but that's what this, that's what this show is all about. Yeah, but also the reason why I think Rafa would probably be the number one manager for me is because he wasn't here that long ago. He knows the core of the squad and he'll know what players to sign that would complement the ones that we already have. Because we've got to remember, we're not going to go out and buy a whole new squad, get rid of everyone, sign world-class players. It's not going to happen. We're going to have to stick with the basic core of the team that we have and add to that. And so Rafa would already have an understanding of who would improve that side. And I think he'll have targets in his mind as well. And he's got good relationships with players. And of course, his recruitment is absolutely second to none. He was on a shoestring budget and the players that he signed with the money he had was phenomenal. I mean, the likes of Martin Dubravka is a prime example, probably one of the best signings we've ever made for a low price. He's, he's got excellent recruitment and he can bring players in purely with his contacts and stuff, whereas other managers like Steve Bruce we have now don't have that. But Rafa really has that pull factor. So that's, for me, why be number one choice. Um, yeah. Do you agree with that? 
Yeah, I do. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I mean, you mentioned about Rafa. You know, not you didn't believe he was greedy. I think that was all paper talk, really. And 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 great. You know, Graham says Rafa was stitched up by Ashley. He was. I mean, the year before Rafa left the club, he was basically you know hauled down to Sports Direct and told in no uncertain terms that he could go and take the Spanish job. And you know, the the Spanish there was a Spanish vacancy, and he he basically said, "Well, I'm down yet to talk about transfers," and that wasn't what they wanted to speak about, and he just got to shut out. So, you know, he was stitched up in in a lot of ways, Graham. You know, there's there's no doubt about it, and um, he was surplus to requirements, and that last year was rather uncomfortable uh, for for Rafa, but um, you know, he stood by stood by his contract, stood by stood by the club, stood by the fans, did the best he could, um, but a Rafa fully backed will be a totally different animal, says Stu. And uh, so does Chris Pete. Good evening, mate. He says, nothing wrong with Rafa's football style. Didn't see Gerard, Zabi, Alonso, uh, uh, Torrey complaining. It's all about Lounderman Vest, which he wasn't allowed to do under Ashley. And uh, Mark says, think the fact that Rafa was prepared to manage us in the championship shows how much Newcastle means to him. I'd welcome him back in an instant. <laughs> Plus he'll drop Shelby, which is a good point. <laughs> Um, he says, if Rafa comes in, will Bonner stay? Um, I, I'm not Will Bonner stay? I'm not I sure. I don't know who Bonner I've got, is. I've got no idea. Bonner? Bonner? I will miss to me. Brian Parker says, he did a job with what he had. He gave him the money. He would make us challengers. And Rafa has already done his research for next season, says Brian H. And Yano, I know he's always a, a, a voice on the other side of the fence at times, but always respect his opinion. Yes, get Rafa back in the next manager and send years, uh, spending years getting rid of his recruits. Always about opinions. Chris says if Rafa got his number one targets, that would be exciting. The biggest plus about getting Rafa is that he could build our club from top to bottom. He sees the big picture and has the project in mind. And, uh, oh, Graham, Graham Jones is Bonner. Richard Naylor. Thanks, mate. I keep forgetting that. But yeah, I must remember that. Have I ever met Mike Ashley, says Mr. Anderson? Yes. Um, you need to check back on these uh, shows that we've done over the years, and uh, yeah, we we'll have. But we'll be we'll be talking about that in due course over the summer. So so stay tuned and leave the last word to Pete. Remember, guys, Rafa doesn't need huge funds. Rafa has the best scouting network in world football. Well, that hour has flown over. Uh, I hope you've all enjoyed the new show. Did you enjoy it, Holly? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was a nice change. Did you like it? Yeah, it was good. Uh, I hope everybody did out there as well. Please give it a thumbs up, hit the like button. Please give it a share. Uh, give it a share on your social media. Let people know there's a new show in town. And uh, me and Holly will be back next Monday. Have a good week, Holly. Take care. You too. Bye. Only way you're ever gonna learn your luck